Welcome, everybody, to the latest episode of HR Tech Chat, and I'm very, very happy to have with us a very special guest, Ann Fulton, who is CEO and founder of Fuel50, um, and she's also the latest member of our Global Executive Advisory Council here at 360 Insights. Welcome, Ann. Hi, Brent. Uh, awesome to be on your uh, chat today. And yeah, we're, I'm super honored to be part of your advisory council. So, you know, very excited to share our learnings and um, insights into, into the community. And uh, as that's something that we're really passionate about is, is helping people with their talent practices. So, yeah, nothing more important to us and, and the Fuel 50 mission. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. And we've had a few conversations over the past year, and um, they've always been really interesting conversations and frankly um in retrospect i wish i wish we had uh, recorded one of our previous conversations as a podcast <laughs> it would have <laughs> would have been great it would have worked uh just so many ex interesting concepts ideas i you know fuel 50 is doing some very very interesting things um and and i want to get into that um but i thought that um a good place to start would be, I guess you folks have some findings from a, from a survey that you did um, that you've compiled into report, the, uh, the Global Talent Mobility Report. Um, that sounds very interesting to me. Um, maybe you could just share a few top line findings. Uh, what is in this report? Um, what's, what's new? What should we, what should, should we know about as we um, continue to enter the future of work? Yeah, sure. Um, so maybe if I just tell you a little bit about the um, report and the study in the first instance. So um, I have a team of uh, workforce architects who are IO psychologists and, you know, really interested in helping understand the future of work. And so we went out to over 200 um, HR practitioners and their employees to understand what's happening with global talent mobility today and what's important to people. And so we asked a range of questions around, um, you know, what's the return to work going to look like for your organization? We, um, you know, what are people experience? What have they experienced in the last months? We also looked at, um, you know, the importance of, um, you know, the strategic drivers for change and transformation for these organizations around their talent experience. So we were looking at things like um, uh, workforce reskilling, um, talent mobility, mentoring, um, diversity, equity and inclusion kind of practices. And what we were able to do in this study is that we were able to, to um, benchmark organizations into high performing organizations. And there's a number of criteria, you know, revenue per employee and um, innovation and NPS was, we're all contributing to these high performing organizations. And then we had um, a subset of those organizations that were high performing HR practice organizations. And so we were able to correlate, you know, some of the responses with these two audiences and, and compare and contrast to the best in class versus, um, you know, the other organizations in terms of what they were achieving. So it was super interesting. That is interesting. Um, and I already have a question right off the bat, um, but I don't <laughs> want to jump ahead here. Uh, but but what I'm just dying to know right off the bat is, uh, was there any correlation um, between the best performing organizations and the best performing HR um, practices in those organizations that you surveyed? 
Um, yes, there were, but there were also some differences. Um, and so, you know, yeah, there was a very, very strong correlation between those best in class um, organizations and the best in class HR practice organizations. So what we saw was that HR practices and talent practices contributed significantly to their overall performance. And, and we were getting, you know, these staggeringly strong correlations, um, you know, between these two audiences. And it was, it was in the realm of 0.69 at a double O one significance wow. level, you know, <laughs> off the charts, you know, and I'm, I'm probably talking statistics here, but, you know, if you think that aspirin's got a correlation with headache reduction of 0.13, right? So a, a wow. 0.69, you know, in terms of correlation saying, you know, that talent practices are contributing overall to organizational performance. So we can't wait to share this research formally um, yeah, over mm -hmm. the, um, you know, coming six weeks, but um, we're sound biting it because there was so much learnings that we saw. But wow. uh, I'm happy to give a high level today, like a preview of some of these findings and, and the research report will be available. Um, yeah. Around a month. Sorry, sorry to interrupt. Um, that's, I mean, that's, a, that's amazing. And, and, and I'm sure all the statistic nerds are, are geeking out right now on our podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, that, that is, I, I, I do recall some of it from grad school, um, but, but that is a high number. Yeah, that's, that's quite the correlation. Um, Very strong. And you know what's interesting is is well maybe we could get into a little bit um, what what are some of the things that those and, and and I know that I know that we're um, we don't want to give away the the whole house here because of, of this report because it hasn't necessarily been been um, uh, released fully yet but maybe from a high level what what are some of the things that these these well performing HR departments or HR practices I think is a better word yeah. as, you, as you put it what are they doing. Yeah, I think one of the things, one of the first kind of um, differences between everyone versus the high performing organizations was that the top three strategic HR priorities for all organizations in uh, ranked order were leadership, um, diversity and inclusive, inclusivity, and then number three was the employee experience. But okay. when we contrasted it with the high performing organizations and the top performing HR organizations, you know what the number one was for that audience? It was it was the investment in the future of work. That was the number one strategic priority for those organizations. So those top performing organizations or the top performing talent practice organizations were really prioritizing thinking ahead around workforce reskilling, um, mm. future of work, and um, taking leadership, you know, taking their leadership on that journey. So, you know, creating the strategic roadmap for their people around learning journeys and, um, you know, um, uh, growth journeys for the employees. Um, but, but the purpose behind that was for workforce reskilling. That's interesting. So, you know, Frank, anecdotally from my, from my perch here, my perspective, that's, that, that's, um, how do I put it? A relief, honestly. <laughs> because yes. my, you know, of all the things about HCM that we cover here at 360 Insights, um, my most, um, my greatest interest is in the future of work. And sometimes, mm. sometimes it seems like you're, you know, just kind of, you know, it's important stuff. It's trying to predict what's going to happen in the in the distant future, right? Um, but at the same time, sometimes you feel like, well, how relevant is this really to today? Um, and I'm sure some of it probably isn't as relevant today as to today as it could be but at the same time it, it's not as far out there in the clouds and and sort of just conceptual versus versus pertinent um as as you know i was 
you know, um, sort of uh, want to think uh, um, uh, initially. So, yeah. yeah, so I think we're aligned with that. And I think I was slightly shocked, actually, by the difference, you know, so, so really, you know, the, the best practice organizations were focused on, you know, further out, you know, future proofing their workforce and, um, you know, th that future of work scenario. So doing more kind of preemptive work around, you know, and anticipating what they're seeing for their workforce. One of the other surprises that we had in the study um, at, at because we con contrasted, you know, the HR lens with the employee lens is um, across our entire group, um, talent mobility was, you know, a top priority. So 70% of respondents said that that was a top strategic priority and it mm. felt like short term and focus. But you know what the top priority was for employees what? was reskilling they wanted to be reskilled for the future it was it was quite staggering seeing the ownership that employees were taking so their behaviors around reskilling their concern about having the right skills for the future and the actions that they were taking it it was quite staggering that employees are taking ownership for their future and for their future skills and 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 possibly ahead of the importance that organizations were putting on it i expected you know you have some hypotheses as you're throwing things out we were expecting reskilling to be, you know, almost number one in terms of strategic HR priorities, but it wasn't there. So it was fascinating to see that employees are taking ownership for their own learning and yeah. growth and yeah. having the right skills for the future. Uh, but the organizations themselves hadn't necessarily prioritized that as high as we thought. So it felt more short term and focused that they were focusing on um, talent mobility, redeployment, back to work, you know, um, you know, that this whole return to work and, and kind of almost a short term transactional focus. So best in class, a little bit more strategic in their focus. Mm, yeah, interesting. You know, the reskilling, the reskilling um, intrigues me uh, quite a bit because you, you, you wonder, <clears throat> because also there's, there are different interpretations of what reskilling is, right? You know, mm -hmm. um, there's reskilling for maybe hard skills versus you know soft skills, which which uh, personally, from what I've been hearing and the conversations I've been having uh, with people who know more about it than I do, frankly. Um, I, I, it seems to me that the re, uh, the reskilling and or, or soft skills, reskilling and soft skills is that's where the rubber is going to meet the road for 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 organizations really in terms of um, in terms of uh, their ability to to succeed. Uh, uh, what, what's the word to um, uh, to to persist to to yeah to yeah to flourish flourish is, I think yeah. is the right. no and I think you know I think it is um, interesting. What we've published four skills or capability trend reports over the last 12 months right and um, so the first one was you know on um you know pandemic trending skills and capabilities the second was on um dni um diversity and inclusive training skills the third was on climate change and uh the latest is on well-being so what are the skills and capabilities that are trending across those you know four dimensions and you know during the pandemic we saw this big surge in um, collaboration as being a key skill uh, that was trending, but it was also things like supply chain reimagining, right? You know, being able to <laughs> respond to this pandemic and how did we operate? So, you know, so that all trended. But I think, you know, with the latest report, what we've seen is that this concern for well-being, resilience in your workforce, um, you know, um, burnout prevention, you know, are, are all kind of becoming, um, you know, top priorities for organisations as they 
face the, you know, the continued impact of the pandemic um, as, as it moves forward. So yeah, from an employee point of view, soft skills are still super important, but I think you know, they also need to be, um, employees are hungry to understand what skills are trending you know, across the globe, what skills are trending in their organization, what skills are gonna be in demand. And you know, that's one of the things that we're doing in Fuel50 is being able to kind of flag, you know, here are the in-demand skills in your industry and here's the in-demand skills in your organization these are the top three trending learning needs that you have today so that employees are you know empowered to kind of be on point with what the organization needs strategically so, yeah that that yeah. really empowers empowers each individual employee to um to uh to to, to be as um, successful as possible in their career their career uh, excuse me career trajectory uh within yeah. their employer yeah yeah. And also, yeah. you know, it helps, them, you know, sometimes it can help them decide whether maybe they want to, um, you know, go some somewhere else. And the uh, organization has an opportunity to bring someone in who's more aligned to what to what the organization needs and is more aligned in terms of wanting really, really being interested in doing that, those particular things. Um, yeah. What do you think? Um, when you think of a of an agile workforce, um, mm -hmm. what, what what do you think? Like, what what's your sort of you know con concept conception of a um, of an agile workforce? What does that mean to you? Yeah, I think there's multi dimensions to that, and um, you know, I think you know that what the way that we describe it is a workforce that's ready, armed, and able, right? You know, that they've got the right skills, they can be rapidly redeployed, and um, you know, they've got the willingness. You know, they're 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 willing. Um, you know, um, to, to take on additional challenges. And one of our wonderful examples was, um, um, a, you know, a top five pharma company globally, first to come out with COVID-19 tests. And what we saw there, you know, was that they were able to rapidly redeploy their people. But what was staggering is that we had supported them on this reskilling at scale leading up to the pandemic. And that they'd done in six months leading up you know, to the release of this COVID-19 test, we'd been able to track and monitor, but we'd seen 375,000 reskilling actions taken across that organization. So people were preparing themselves, you know, for, you know, to, to, um, to respond to that challenge. So to me, you know, an agile workforce is one that is, you know, ready, armed and able, you know, that they're, they're, they're willing, they're, they've got the right skills um, and that they can, you know, they've got that agility to respond to um, you know changing demands and you know I think there's a lot of enablement that we need to be able to provide today and I think that marketplace mentality as it's um, applied to talent practices is mm. super important so that you can um, support your workforce to um, see the opportunities to apply for gigs and projects, um, see where the matches are for them, you know, across that organization, as well as being taken on that reskilling journey. And, mm. you know, I liken it to, you know, Uber is a marketplace, right? Matching, you know, drivers to people mm. that need rides. <laughs> oh, I like, that's a great, I love that concept. You know, what's interesting is that, you know, especially right now with all the disruption that, um, that the world is in various states of, of exiting or, or, or I, I don't know what's going on anymore. But anyway, <laughs> um, be that as it may, um, when you think about um, uh, organization, all this disruption and we had sudden, you know, just a, a sudden shift to work from home for a lot of people and a lot mm -hmm. of a lot of frontline workers, a sudden shift to 
<laughs> no work, right? Yeah. Uh, at all, because you know you can't serve. You know, you can't be a waitress from from your home, um, right? Or you know, this sort of. You can't be a valet from your home either. I was having a conversation with uh, somebody yesterday, um, um, a salesperson in the space at a vendor who shall not be named, uh, shall, shall remain unnamed. But anyways, we were talking about all the all the cool jobs that just really you know, just kind of went away for about a year and a half and uh, however long, much longer it's going to be. And one of them was valet. Um, and yeah, we were just kind of joking about that. You know, you don't get to drive other people's cool cars and be able to do that for an, a year and a half. <laughs> <laughs> where, oh, where I think am it's going funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. It's going to come back, right? Yeah, right. I, I, I still have a magic moment of a memory at a, at a gorgeous hotel in Miami and somebody driving up, you know, and I was looking at the, the valet who got to pick up the Maserati keys, you know, it was just like, yeah, cool job. <laughs> I, well, I, exactly. I was telling her that my, my dream job still is to be a valet. But um, anyway, yeah. <laughs> uh, this whole yeah. idea that, that there was there was massive disruption and that calls for maximum agility right away so yes. you think you know given this um this, so we've seen okay this disruption it can happen may maybe it's just a hundred year event something like that but maybe not um what what's the what's the demand that you're seeing out there from organizations in terms of hey we um, we need to really be like way better at agility than we were previously in terms of agility, you know, crosses a bunch of domains of the enterprise, right? But in terms of uh, the workforce specifically, like what's, what's the demand that you're seeing around yeah. that? Um, you know, maybe again, if I share one of our learnings from our research report um, on this mobility patterns and, and we were looking at, you know, what happened to recruitment over the last 12 months and in Q2, you know, there was 45% of organizations had a recruitment freeze in Q3 last year, it dropped to 26%. Um, but, you know, where there is amazing hope, I think, for everyone, um, you know, and particularly those employees that have been impacted, is that 63% of organisations that we um, surveyed today said that their employee headcount is going to grow, right? So we're moving into yeah. a growth yeah. mode. So that was super interesting to see that, you know, we're back on the upsurge when it comes to employment opportunities um, for people as, as we have this, you know, kind of return to some, some kind of normality. And, you know, we also were asking people about, you know, are people going to return to the office? Are we going to have, you know, a hybrid way of working? And yeah, 76% we're moving, said they're moving to this hybrid model of working, you know, so in the office and out. Um, only 14% said that they were um, going to move to the um, purely back to the office. So that was kind of a smaller percentage than we expected because we thought that maybe more organizations were going to go back to, you know, having an office um, way of working and 9% that they would, said they were going to stick to um, remote workforce. So, you know, it, 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 there's, a, there's a bit of a shift, um, you know, that we're seeing, you know, that work, the work is going to be different um, as we all start to get used to collaborating, innovating, creativity, you know, via um, online and via Zoom and having fun conversations like this, you know, it, it yes. is going to be part of our future practice for sure. You know, what's interesting is, um, so first of all, my own opinion on that is 
Um, my my opinion is that organizations should probably, you know, deploy maybe a, a choose your own adventure approach, right? Uh, when I was young, we had those those books, and I would always read. I I just read every single possibility. I didn't just follow one path. I just I was a, I was a weird kid. But anyways, um, but but you know. An organization, if you're an employee, you have the option, hey, you want to work at the office mostly now, or you want to work mostly at home or, or uh, you know, or exclusively from home, you know, depending on, on, the, on the demands of the job and what can actually be done logistically. My, my opinion is that given the, given the, the great resignation that we keep hearing about that, I, I do believe it is going, is, it's already happening, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's inevitable. Mm-hmm um inescapable uh, honestly i think uh, organizations are going to have to um uh, i think they're going to have to accommodate what employees want in this regard i mean i've i've seen some articles that seem to um suggest otherwise i'm i'm open to you know open to you know to being wrong obviously um but <clears throat> that's my feeling yeah, and I think there's two ways of looking at that. You can look at it individually, you know, so the circumstances of each and every employee and the concerns and the considerations for them, you know, you've, you've got to be able to do it individually and also collectively and understand across your business, you know, that so many of our workforce are looking, you know, for, um, you know, the opportunity for more remote working or two or three days at home. Um, and, you know, others are, you know, really hungry for the team collaboration and want to be in the office, but understanding that individually and collectively is super important. I just want to come back to the um, Uber analogy that I was talking about before and and, and from an individual point of view, because as you say, everyone wants something different. And I think, you know, what is possible today is, you know, kind of um, is to build out your own roadmap and you can test out hypotheses. You know, you were talking about choosing your own adventure, (laughs) but, you know, you can, you can actually play now, you know, um, you know, through that marketplace offering that you can start to play with, okay, I fancy myself as, you know, CEO, or what would my route look like if I go down the chief digital officer or, you know, something else that might appeal to me. And you get your match score, but you can also see what that journey looks like. And you can also flick through to say, okay, well, if I took a slightly different, if I went in this direction instead on this pathway, but also along that journey, what are the um, skills that I'm going to need? So regardless of what my end destination is, right now, I can be focusing on these three to five things that might take me on a journey that is full of abundance and opportunity and alternatives, you know, and uh, I think, you know, I I love your choose your own adventure kind of um, analogy, because I think that does fit with the way that we're enabling people to see a future can turn around this great resignation right? if you can see a future you know ahead within your organization if you can play with options and be taken it fully enabled to be on that pathway to um you know go, going on what could be an exciting adventure for you doing more of what you love right in, in some senses taking it back very simply if i did three three or four things more every week i'm going to be more engaged more satisfied more energized more productive more valuable contributing more skills and talents and 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 that's kind of taking it back to the short-term transactional and of course we should be able to turn around that great resignation tide Um, i do have to do a bit of a shout out you know for what we've achieved across all of our clients is a 60 percent reduction in 
um, employee churn where the um, talent marketplace is being utilized. So, you know, that's massive. Employee attrition drops from 24% down to 15% average, you know, across all sorts of industries and across multiple organizations. So, you know, this great resignation, we may have a fear of it, but, you know, it is possible to understand individually and at aggregate collectively what might turn that round. I, I love that you brought that up because, <clears throat> you know, there's, you see in the news, you read something in the news as some professor somewhere has coined the term the great resignation of course it's based in you know this basic trend and 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 it, you know it's kind of a fear oh oh gosh the great resignation is about to happen what are we going to do and and then you feel and then th there's the inclination that's the reflex to feel some inertia or to feel helpless or or powerless right okay well you know but there are things that you can do. This is this is just like you said, right? Uh, using a solution such as yours <clears throat> can really ward off uh, the great resignation uh, because of its uh, profound effect on on attrition, po positive effect on attrition, the uh, reduction in retention, uh, excuse me, increase in retention. Um, and that to me is, you know, that gets right down to the employee. I mean, we're talking about the employee experience right now. I mean, if this isn't the employee experience, I don't know what is, right? Mm -hmm. uh, the, the ability to, to, to not only to, so, so you have, you're, you're at an organization, the employer culture um, is such that if it encourages you or you feel um, encouraged and safe to think about a career path for yourself at that organization. So that's that to me is a fundamental building block. Sort of a, it's 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 a safe place to think about that. You you found a place where that's that's a an encouraged line of thinking. Okay. A B. Now you have that feeling. Okay. Now here's a tool. There's something you can look at that can help you. Just kind of it can put some. Uh, <clears throat> some reality or some tangible things to your 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 basic vision and now you're starting to see an actual path and and that to me is you know when uh, just thinking this through on on the fly here right if, if i'm if i'm if i'm having a good employee experience then then i am i am feeling good where i am okay just in a general sense but i'm also there's also there are tangible things that I am, you know, that I have at my disposal, tools and um, and information that 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 give um, um, uh, give a potential uh, give me the sense that I can execute on my feeling good, that I can execute on my vision. Um, uh, I'll think of some better way to to put it <laughs> later in a blog post, maybe. <laughs> but but maybe we could talk about um, what how does because this, this is where. You know, we talk about employee experience and uh, career pathing and uh, and uh, agility and um, um, reskilling and all this kind of stuff. It's all good. <clears throat> can you just can we just maybe get into the weeds just a little bit for a minute? Um, the technology itself. How does technology factor into what we just what we just kind of you know painted? Yeah, I, th I think, you know, we've we've entered a new generation. And as I said, you know, we've got Uber and Airbnb and all these marketplaces that we all utilize as our day to day, you know, operating, um, you know, um, model these days. Um, and it's incredibly enabling, right? It's fast and efficient and, you know, works for us and connects us with what we're looking for. And I think, you know, the 
um, talent supply dynamics and organizations have probably been disrupted per permanently. And, 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 and this marketplace mentality coming into talent practices is inevitable. It has to happen. You know, it's displacing the kind of legacy talents management systems, of, you know, where it was all HR controlled, you know, um, in terms of putting people in boxes and saying, this is your future, right? We've changed those dynamics. It's now about where do you want to go? What are the opportunities for you? Um, and as I said in our survey, you know, in our research, what we saw is that employees are taking ownership for their future regardless of what the organization is going to do. So mm. if you can somehow marry that up with a marketplace mentality, you're going to see big shifts um, in your organization's business outcomes. So, you know, what, what we've seen is, you know, there's um, more um, placements internally. That's going to change your um, talent supply dynamics, your cost of talent is reduced because you're utilizing in a, in a more powerful way your, your talent within the organization. So your costs go down, but also your value of your talent increases. So you get a faster time to productivity if you take an internal hire. There's more engagement of that person around them because other people see this person getting an opportunity. We saw absenteeism go down, engagement go up, faster time to productivity. Um, so all sorts of, you know, business benefits were associated with that, but also you've got more valuable employees because they are enabled to kind of um, go on this learning journey. So we never say no to an employee. If you dream of being the CEO, great, you know, 15% match score today, but here's all of the learning. Here's a mentor, here's stretch assignments, here's projects. Um, you know, here, here's the uh, journey and the multiple routes that you've got to go on that journey. So it's never a no, it's here's how you do it. <laughs> and, you know, that takes away a big question mark for employees um, in a powerful way that delivers business benefit as well. Well, you know, something that's interesting that you, that you just brought up that, that, um, that, um, so, so first of all, one, one thing that I noticed um, here is that going back to what, and you, you reiterated, it, reiterated it just a moment ago, but you said it earlier too, is this idea that, that employees are, employees are focused on reskilling. That's something that they really want to do themselves. So, so an organization that, that, that solves for that right? An organization that solves for that is, is an organization that's, that, you know, don't go to the mountain, you know, that, you know, go where the employees are, you know, the, first of all, that's a good thing. The employees are thinking about reskilling themselves. They're, they're focused on bettering themselves. That, that is an asset. And I had a uh, conversation with um, uh, previously on the podcast uh, around this idea that, you know, we got to stop thinking about employees as, as, a, as, as a cost and, and start thinking of them as an asset. Literally moving them from one column to the asset, from the, from, the, from the cost column to the asset column, uh, like the real estate cost, like a sunk cost versus the asset column. Um, uh, in, the, in, the, in the accounting, you know, the accounting, um, um, how we account for them in, in actual accounting. Um, and, and I'm not an accountant, so I don't know exactly <laughs> how that would happen, but um, it, they become something to invest in at that point, right? There's something to Correct. invest in. So, so A, B, B, if they if they want to be reskilling themselves, then you have just a you have an asset just waiting to happen, which is great. Invest in that, go where they are. That is going to by default 
um, appeal, that's to by uh, by default, that's going to improve their experience. They're going to experience a better, a greater satisfac satisfaction with their job. Okay, that's that, which is something yeah. you really, really, really want in your workforce. And that that's and, and what's interesting about that. Going back to what what you just said, right? You were talking about, you know, yeah, time to productivity. You're reduce, reducing your recruiting costs and all this kind of stuff, and that's that's all stuff that makes sense uh, to the accountant, and 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 that's great. You're you're speaking to the accountant with those types of benefits, but then what you said about increasing the value of your talent. Um, mm -hmm. I'm going to guess that that value is not necessarily easily quantifiable from a in terms of a fan financial number, but but that doesn't mean it's not there and it's and it's increasing, right? Because uh, at some point we just have to, as 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 um, as employers, we just have to um, just 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 what's what's the word? We have to admit, I think, admit, acknowledge, recognize that that some of the things that are incredibly just essential um, to business, to organizational success, and that means organizational perpetuity, organizational profits, revenue over the long-term are not going to translate to a number that, that's that, like a hard number today. And that's really interesting to me. Yeah, and I think just with my opening comment, right, that talent practices were highly correlated with those organizations that were getting the best business results, right, you know, so yeah. incredible. And I just want to, you know, back in 2015, we did a career agility study. And one of the things, you know, talking about employees being in the asset column, um, one of the things that we found is that 74% um, of employees believe that they've got more skills and talents and can contribute more to their organization than they currently are. So, you know, with that marketplace mentality, you can tap into what, what is it that the employee, what assets has the employee got that may not be immediately apparent, you know, what, you know, skills and contributions that they may have, you know, from other parts of their life that, you know, potentially could be incredibly valuable to that organization. So you've got a workforce that says they can do more, they want to do more, I, that, that was really staggering. And when we looked across the um, different demographics, it was the, the millennials and the early career folk that were the most motivated, the most most hungry for those opportunities that wanted to put their hand up and say, I can do more, you know, just ask me. Or just give me an opportunity, give me that stretch assignment, give me that project. So, you well, know, it's, thing, so it's wonderful. What's so fascinating to me about what, what you just mentioned is, um, so there's this, there's this, um, this is idea, or let me try to break this down. So we have, so, so in my opinion, we have sort of a, um, of, there's a very imprecise way that we, so that we source and select talent for open roles. So we have, you know, we have a human under, this is kind of counter, it's, it's kind of interesting. It's almost counterintuitive, right? Um, to, to be, we want a more human workplace. And sometimes I feel like we need less, a little bit less um, um, human involvement maybe for it to be more of a human workplace. And, and, and I wanna to get to what I mean there. So, you know, we have, we have a human understanding of, um, of what a certain role needs right in order to succeed right and that may or may not actually be actually what is needed for that role a b b employees they you know when before they join an organization they 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 have their own understanding of their expertise and their experience and how it 
applies to the organization that they would like to join, right? And that may or may not, it, it may appeal and re to and resonate with the recruiter and the hiring manager, but at the same time, once, you, once the employee joins the organization and sees a little bit more of the organization, their human understanding of the organization uh, changes a little bit. They realize, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> This is what I could be doing for this organization instead. It might be better. And that that might be closer to what that employee uh, should be doing for that organization. Um, but but if you had some sort of an objective um, uh, view of what what an, a, any given employee's um, uh, uh, capabilities are, right, yes. then, then you would have sort of every human would be in the most, in the best matched role for the, or doing the best matched things that to their to their capabilities at any given time. And I, and I blogged about this uh, a few months ago and, and, and I, you know, I think we're far away from it. We're, 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 but, but, but I, I have this sneaking suspicion that, that we may move beyond even job titles in, in the future and, and all these sorts of, I mean, I saw an article from uh, the mid nineties, uh, it was in Forbes. This was before Forbes was sort of a crowdsourced, um, you yes. know, just a bunch of writers. It was, you know, just a staff, right? And it was, it was actually a guest um, uh, uh, contributor. And and I, I'll find the link and I'll send it to you. But back in the mid '90s, there's this guy. He predicted that you know job titles will be a thing of the past. Those will eventually become extinct. Um, and he wasn't even talking about AI or anything like that. But um, but it's just interesting to me. You talk about ad, we, we're talking about agile, mm -hmm. agile workplaces, agile organizations, um, people being in the best mat, in, in, in doing the things that 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 they most enjoy doing and are best doing, best at. Um, to me, it just seems yeah. I think I think you know you're right there is that you know the career sweet spot for an employee also equals an optimized workforce right so if you can have more people operating in their career sweet spot where they've got some contributions and skills that really align with their you know their interests and their values and their talents you know that then you know that's the employees in a good place but the organization also has an optimized workforce and I think you know some organizations you know we, we've got a few organizations you know within our client group that are moving towards people defining themselves in terms of their skills and contributions. I'm on this project. I'm responsible for this, this, and this deliverable for the business and defining themselves around their project contributions rather than their job title. But um, again, surprisingly, in our, in our study of where HR practitioners are at, most are not ready to move to that, you know, that job titles are still seen as being around and, and employees do want that clarity as to around, you know, where they belong and, and where, where their contributions are. So I think we're on a journey towards that. I think a lot of organizations, you know, are still on an early um, pathway towards that kind of uh, true workforce um, mobility. But, you know, it, it is coming possibly over the next five to 10 years, because our survey said that many organizations are not there yet. <laughs> uh, so that's interesting. Um, uh, you said five, over the next five to 10 years as if that's a long time. And, and, and frankly, you said that and I thought, Oh, well, that's soon. I, I thought maybe we're 20 to 30 <laughs> years away from that. So <laughs> anyway, <laughs> by the way, total aside, I, I don't know if it looks like it to you, but 
um, uh, the image of me on this right now, it's very grainy. It's like an eight mil millimeter film from the late sixties, but um, <laughs> yeah, dusk came early today for some reason. Sorry about that. <laughs> All good, Brent. Um, it's, it's been a fabulous conversation and, and yeah. very stimulating as we think about this future of work and agile workforces. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's been fantastic. And, and thank you so much. Thank you so much for, for joining us for the, for the podcast today. Um, very much looking forward to um, folks seeing this one. Um, there's a lot of really interesting stuff happening around AI and agile workforce and uh, what does what does talent mobility mean? Um, and, and I think we are, you know, given some of the things that you found with your studies, um, I think that we are getting closer to this. We may be indeed getting closer to this idea that uh, people may in, in, in greater greater numbers sort of embrace this idea that, you know, uh, hey, treat your employees as assets um, and looking at them as, you know, as a, um, you're giving them opportunities and that's, and that's going to be valuable for your organization. They're, they're not just a cost. They're, they're, there's so much upside uh, to, to your workforce. Yeah, agreed. Let's create a new kind of talent economy and new talent dynamics, right? That is, you know, a bit democratized and, um, you know, that everyone's got a contribution. And if you can create that marketplace mentality within your organization, you're, you know, you should should energize your workforce and, and impact your outcomes according to what these best practice organizations are doing. So big opportunity for us. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you again. Um, and uh, it was wonderful to have you on the podcast. Welcome to the, the Executive Council of 360 and, um, and, uh, and best to your team members. Thank you so much, Brent and team. Really appreciate Thanks. it. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye.